Well, I don't know how you feel uh, this time of year, but uh, you know we're just coming off the Christmas season. We're in the dead of winter, the dead of January. Uh, at, at our home yesterday, we took down the Christmas tree finally <laughs> after a few weeks, and little by little, you see, you know, the the Christmas season kind of fade away, and um, and then now what, right? <laughs> Uh, January, January hits, and now what? Uh, spring, right? Not quite, because <laughs> we've got uh, we've got a ways to go before that. And uh, uh, but what it, what is it um, at the end of Christmas uh, for you? After that Christmas season is done, and 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 now I'm talking a little bit more than just that holiday season, but uh, the the message of Christmas. You know, we spend weeks and weeks. Uh, leading up to uh, to Christmas and and uh, the the message of God sending a Savior for us, sending Jesus Christ into this world, born as a baby, and and to live a perfect life, and and to die on the cross for our sins, and and we learn about the grace and and the the gift of God in Jesus Christ that we can be saved, that we can have eternal life. And then we, we kind of get to the end of that uh, season, and, and then it's, it's kind of, we're left a little bit with that question, well, well now what? Now what? Uh, today, we're going to be looking at uh, how, do, how do we respond to that gift? How do we respond uh, to the grace of God, not just of that message of Christmas, but, but beyond that, uh, beyond uh, just the fact that Jesus came? Uh, but what that means for us and uh, God's, God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to be looking at that response today in uh, Romans chapter 12. And uh, this is a little bit, uh, the, the Apostle Paul kind of comes to that point. Uh, he spent the first 11 chapters in the book of Romans uh, talking about that grace of God, the mercies of God. The message of the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that all have sinned, a, a familiar passage to many of us, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but, but that we are justified, that we are declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, and that we have peace with God through faith. Another familiar passage the wages of sin is death that the what we deserve because we have sinned is death eternal separation from god but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so 11 chapters of laying that foundation of of grace the grace and mercy of god for all who would believe in jesus but it doesn't doesn't end there the book of Romans doesn't end there. We come to chapter 12 and, and we get to this part of what, what does this mean for all of us? Uh, we kind of shift to this, now what? Now what? How should we live? And so let's read together uh, Romans 12, 1 through 5. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, 
what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. God, take these words, Lord, and as we uh, see now, what, how, how ought we to live in response to this gift of grace that you have given us? Uh, open our eyes today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These verses here really, uh, in a nutshell, uh, we see the believer's response to God's grace in the good news that uh, Jesus has come for each one of us. And today we're going to look specifically at three responses. And it's important as we think of responses, sometimes we think, okay, well, th- then this is what I have to do, right? Uh, but, but it's so much beyond that, just a, it's something to do or a, a way to respond. Uh, these responses really are motivated and rooted in that grace that we have received. As we shift to this focus, we, we need to know and remember that our obedience to God is, is the product of what God has done in our lives. Not something that we just can manufacture, create on our own. Uh, one, one person put it this way, that the righteousness of God produces a life of righteousness. That word uh, justification that Paul uses is really, uh, in, in simple terms, an easy way to remember it, just as if I've never sinned. And justified, uh, meaning that as God sees us, he declares us righteous because of Christ. And so now we have this new life. We live this life of righteousness. And so then our response becomes living out who we are now. Living out our new life. Who God now has made us to be. And first, uh, first response, we see a life of worship in this passage here. Paul says, I appeal to you or I urge you. By the mercies of God, there we see that it is rooted in the grace and mercy of God. By the mercies of God, he says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. When, when you think of that, uh, when you think of worship, uh, I know personally I don't think often of worship as presenting my body. <laughs> I think of, you know, what maybe what we do in worship, but... Presenting your body, it says. And I don't always think of, of giving a, a sacrifice, presenting a sacrifice, and maybe you think, well, that seems like kind of what they did in the Old Testament. Well, that is what they did. Uh, the people of God would, would sacrifice animals in, in worship to God. And, and now we have this contrast to that, that we ourselves are that offering as living sacrifices, not as dead animals being brought to God, but now we have been created as new creatures in Christ, living sacrifices. There was a danger even back then that the people thought that all they had to do to please God was to offer 
simply offer a sacrifice. It didn't matter their attitude or sincerity, just that they did it. But we know also from the Old Testament, even while that often happened, that that was not what God wanted. God did not even see that as real and true worship. That God desired those sacrifices to come from a pure heart, a willing heart. David uh, talks about this in Psalm 51. After he had been confronted in his sin of, of adultery, and as he is now repenting of that, he says, you will not delight in sacrifice or just simply a sacrifice being made, or I would give that. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. And sometimes, you know, doesn't it seem like it'd just be a little bit easier if we could see worship that way as just something that we simply do, something that we can cross off a list? I did this. I, I, I pleased God. You know, I did my good thing for the week or for the day. But what, what kind of God would we be serving in that? Thankfully, that's not how our God works. As Christians, we respond to grace by giving our lives in worship, offering our bodies, our giving of our whole selves, everything that we are, giving it over to Him to be used by Him. Worship is, is the way that we live, not simply what we're doing here this morning, although that's a big part of it. As we gather with other believers and and worship God and, and singing praise to Him and, and fellowshipping with one another. But it's more than that. It's, it's a lifestyle. A life of, of giving ourselves to be used as God would, would see fit in our lives. Everything that we are. We, we sing about that. And it gets a little more practical in, in that song that we sing that take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And, and it talks about how we do that. Take my hands, it says, and let them move at the impulse of thy love. God's love living through us and take my feet and let them be. Take my voice, let them be let my voice be filled with, and my lips be filled with messages of Thee. Take my intellect, all these different parts of our body, our whole selves, to be used of God. It's important to note that sometimes we, we separate that worship as just kind of our heart, our, our mind, you know, being engaged in that. But God wants our bodies, it says our bodies, our actual physical body is what we offer to the Lord. And not just in that spiritual sense, our actual body is the organ for our actions. That's the way we, we live and that's how we bless people. That's how we speak. That's how we think. It's our actual bodies by which we worship Him 
and serve Him with our lives. Maybe some of you have we've probably all heard that phrase, you know, I, I can't be there, but I'll be with you in spirit, right? Or, I, yeah, I'm sorry I, I wasn't there, but, but I was there in spirit. Do you know what that actually means? Nothing, right? It doesn't mean anything. Because if you weren't actually there, what is it? You weren't there. It's true that, yeah, we can be praying for someone or a situation or whatever, but, but if we're not there, then... And, and that's what the point, really, the point it's getting at here is that in our bodies we, we offer, that we actually then allow God to use every part and every area of our lives for His glory and in and, worship to Him. It says it's our spiritual worship. Um, what does that mean? Our spiritual act of worship. Uh, this this word, uh, what it's meaning, it can also be phrased as maybe some versions say your informed worship or your reasonable act of worship. What does that mean? Informed. What's informed worship? Well, as we talked about the, the sacrifices of, of the Old Testament and those animals being brought uh, to, to be slaughtered and and to be killed and then be offered as the sacrifice, how much did those animals have any clue what, was, what they were doing? Nothing. But, but ours is the opposite, that we, have, we are informed in our worship. We come and offer ourselves willingly in view of those mercies of God and what is pleasing worship to God? It's, it is informed. It is offered by a believer who, who understands who God is and what He has given us in the Gospel and, and then what He wants from us. Our, our lives to be consecrated to Him. A life of, of worship. We see second... In our response, a life of transformation. Uh, Paul continues in his instruction. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And and what it's the, the imperative here is be transformed. Have you ever had anyone tell you you just you just need to change? What if someone just came and told you, just you need to change, or you need to just be different? Is that going to help? That's it's an extremely unhelpful statement. Just to you, be different, be transformed, right? But that phrase that Paul is getting at is not. It's he gives us instruction as to what that really means. We can't simply just change. It says here, do not be conformed. To this world, that's that's per, per first part of it, because our natural tendency, our human nature, is just to conform to what is going on around us. We don't even have to try in that, right? We just adapt over time, the society, the culture around us. We just kind of go with it, go with, follow the crowd, just live our lives. That whatever happens, happens if it. 
feels right, do it. I don't know about uh, some of you, but we, um, we have our trash picked up once a week at our house. And uh, we have two trash cans. We have uh, the trash bin and then we have the recycle bin. And some of you probably have the same situation where your recycling gets picked up every other week. That's how it is for us. Now, I can never for the life of me remember which week it is. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I, what I sometimes do, I just kind of go out and look and see, okay, what are the neighbors doing, right? And, uh, and then uh, not too long ago, I asked one of my neighbors, do you know, is it recycling this week? And he's like, I don't know. I, I never really keep track of that. And, uh, and I, I started to think, what if, what if all the neighbors thought that way, right? If they just kind of all did the same thing as me and kind of fed off of each other and just thought, oh, I guess it must be or it must not be Recycle Week. That's what conforming is, because before we'd know it, we'd all be wrong, right? Conforming to the world, that's, that's, what, that's what it is, is, is thinking that if I just go with, with what I see, with what I see in the world, in secular society, what feels right, and pretty soon it just, it all comes to crumble. Transformation, though, is influenced by someone or something. God has given us a means of transformation. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't just say, just be changed, be transformed? He says, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. A new way of thinking. A new way of thinking leads to a new way of of living. And I want you to think about this that that what we think determines how we feel and aren't really all our actions based on on how we feel. But how we think determines how we feel and then how we feel then determines how we act. And so if we're wanting change if if we need to change the way that we think in a spiritual sense how how do we change the way that we think and again thankfully we're not just left to okay now i've got to just change my thinking right we have the spirit of god that that god has given us in as we have come to know christ and as we have that new life in Him, the, the Holy Spirit then enters our lives and begins to work. And the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit use? Holy Spirit wants to feed into our minds that information that will help us think different in line with the values of, of the kingdom of God. And where do we find those? We, we find those in the Word of God. The Word of God is where we gain that renewed thinking, a renewed mind. That as we study and know God's Word, that He begins to shape our thinking. 
And through that thinking, then, we, we act accordingly based on those principles from God's Word. And it, it talks, it's very clear, you know, we, we struggle. What is, what's God's will for my life, right? And sometimes circumstantially, you know, should I do this, should I do that? Sometimes it's hard to know that, and sometimes it's not always black and white, and it's not always clear in God's Word. Um, but we do know generally what is God's will. It says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Through God's word we come to understand God's will. And what is that? We, we come to understand what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is good news. This, this is good news for us. That God's not just calling us to be changed and transformed, but that there's a purpose for that. Then, then we know the will of God. We know what God wants for us. But in that, we end up being blessed. Because what God's will is for us, what does it say? That what is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't you want those things for your life? That which is good and acceptable and perfect? God's given us this means to be transformed. He's given us clear, clearly, just clear descriptions of, of who He is and what, what He desires for our lives in His Word. So a life of transformation. So first, a, a life of worship, and now a life of transformation, and finally, thirdly, a life of service. Uh, as we move on to cha- uh, verses 3 through 5 here quickly, notice here how quickly Paul's talking about this response now to God's grace, but how quickly he turns to, to talk, start talking about living our life in community with other believers. That, yeah, he's talking about worship to him and, and to being, being transformed, but now he's, he's talking about, okay, but this, I've called you to be in community in life with other believers. And we have some details here. He says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. What if everyone... Uh, went into every interaction, every relationship with that mindset. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> we have some so some clear examples, some instructions from him. But as he as he goes on here, he starts to talk about being one, being united in Christ, one body in Christ. He puts it, speaking of relationship to each other. One by one, members of each other. He's talking about using our gifts. He says, Though we are one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And then he goes on, as as you continue to read, I encourage you to, to read on later, 
But he, he gets into more specifics about using our gifts and the, the gifts that, that God has given each one of us. And as we think about spiritual gifts, we, we often emphasize this, you know, we're using these gifts for God, right? Because God, because God wants us to. And, and we might feel this, well, you know, God wants me to use my gifts, my talents, my skills. And, and that's true. And it's all ultimately for his glory. But there's more than that. And, and really what Paul is getting at with our gifts is who, who do we use our gifts for? Yeah, we serve God, but who are they really for? They're really for each other, right? As we are blessed by the gifts of other people, as the body of Christ, as the congregation, as a body of believers together, we're blessed by one another's gifts. Have you ever thought about how much, maybe you've thought, oh, God needs my gifts. I, I need to use my gifts. But have you ever thought about how much you need other people's gifts? Gifts and, and serving is all for the purpose of serving one another, that God is working through us as we present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, as we are changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds and through his, through his word and through his Holy Spirit that we then are, we, we bless each other through God working through us by using our gifts. Ultimately, it's for the purpose of, of building up the body of Christ, blessing our fellow believer. God is the one who's ultimately glorified when the body is united in, in using their gifts but it's for the edification of the body of Christ, for the congregation, for the building up of God's kingdom here on earth. And so uh, this is our response. It's a life lived, a lifestyle of, of worship to God, of give, constantly giving ourselves over to him, to be yielded to him and his plan for our lives and what he wants for us. But a life of continual transformation. And, and that happens day by day. Does anyone claim to, to be living perfectly good and perfectly acceptable and a perfect life? No. But, but we, we know what that is because of what God has revealed to us. And God continues to work in our lives to to change us and transform us to what His will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And then a life of service. Service for, really, for each other. Worship is, is our relationship with God. Transformation, God, continues to work in us, and, and, but yet then we come to then bless one another. That's what the response to God's grace is all about. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've given us
your grace, first of all. And we thank you that you then want to use us in carrying out your kingdom here on earth. And so we pray uh, that you would continue to daily transform our minds, that we would know your will, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.